pandemic, social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to the John DePietro Show. Propane Plus. For heating and cooling, call Propane Plus today in Massachusetts, 508-252-3359. In Rhode Island, Propane Plus number 401 885-4209. It's the Johnson family. It's Propane Plus, the leading full-service provider of propane to Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass. Not only can they install your tank and schedule propane deliveries, but they can service your entire heating, cooling system, and install any propane or natural gas appliances. Locations in East Greenwich and also in Rehoboth. Remember, Propane Plus is energy for everyone. It's affordable, sustainable, equitable, Good for the environment, and also now it's renewable. Online at propaneplus.com, Propane Plus, heating and cooling. In Massachusetts, call the Rehoboth office, 508-252-3359, and in Rhode Island, 401-885-4209. You can depend on Propane Plus. You're listening to the John DePietro Show, folks. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Always listen online at the website, dePietro.com. It is Wednesday. Uh, I, I think it'd be important. I'm going to uh, periodically do updates with the situation that is uh, continuing to unfold uh, with Ukraine and Russia. I wish I had better news, but just some of the headlines. Putin stakes claim to vast new territory. Threatens hypersonic missiles. Wall Street Journal writes a great op-ed, New Cold War Arrives. Now, the head of, uh, of Ukraine, Zelensky, hints at pursuing nukes. That doesn't sound like a good idea. Now, what's also interesting is they agreed to forego them on the condition they were going to be protected by the West. So for anyone that says, what are we even doing there? <clears throat> that was part of the agreement that they, we would offer uh, nations in order to abandon nuclear uh, ambition. How we could cut Russia off from world tech. Talking about President Biden, first round of sanctions failed to shock. A lot of people are saying the sanctions are just not enough in there. They're not a roar, but it's a, it's a thud. How, how full, uh, can false flag attacks succeed in info age? Now that's interesting. The more that we have high tech to shoot down a lot of the false flags and misinformation that Putin wants to put out there now hungary sending troops to the border fearing a mass exodus uh ukraine is telling ukraine people to get out of russia but hungary sending troops to the border that's certainly problematic how about this china says taiwan is quote not ukraine as island raises alert level now as many of you are aware there's been a lot of talk that china is going to use this opportunity now that the olympics are over and that they're going to move in, to, uh, move in on, on Taiwan. Now, right now, the Navy, you see our Navy ships are maneuvering in the Mediterranean and also Russian ships. NATO claims jets are at high alert. Ukraine, as many of you probably know, has issued a state of emergency. Reservists have been drafted. It all seems a little bit late. And there's a dangerous cyber attacks on satellites. So... Some of the other headlines, Biden, twisted Putin is ready for bloodshed. War threat grows. Um, it certainly does. And the more that you start to have, you know, for instance, that's a, a, a delicate situation with now Hungary sending troops to, to their border. The more that all these militaries are mobilizing um, is not a positive development. West hits back with sanctions for Russia's Ukraine actions. And... Uh, Macron's rival mock his summit failure. Of course there was a failure. I mean, it. now Britain is going to send more weapons to Ukraine. Pope tells politicians examine their consciences before God. I think that's positive. Boris says stop mad Vlad, meaning Putin. Um, folks, this is obviously, it's problematic. There have also been some, some good pieces written that you know as much as in this country people are saying and I, I i'm very troubled at what some members of the press that i national figures that i normally agree with and how they're coming down on this it's um you know th there's something wrong when you have people that are criticizing trudeau in canada who absolutely should be 
criticize and condemn, but they're they're praising Putin and criticizing Trudeau. Listen, you know, locking a few bank accounts and uh, arresting a few truckers is, you know, child's play compared to. Do you think Putin would have allowed a bunch of protests and truckers to take over St. Petersburg Square? I don't think so. So people need to get things in order. And I and I say this, I um, I really don't understand uh, President Trump's comment that Putin is savvy. Um, no, he what was Hitler savvy? I mean, that what what I don't understand that at all. Uh, very disappointing. Let's hope that he was the comment from the former president was maybe taken out of context. Um, we're talking about you know thousands of lives that could be killed here, and you don't want to be on the wrong side of history of quoting and saying that person is is savvy. Um, I, I've never been comfortable with their relationship. There's some odd dynamic there. I don't think we've ever been, I've never been able to put my finger on it. I don't think the truth has ever been revealed. But President Trump, who I've been such a supporter, who seemingly doesn't fear anyone on the planet, but he's just, it's like he's not himself around Putin. But Wall Street Journal, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, a new Cold War arrives. U.S.-European sanctions are still too weak against Putin. Again, Wall Street Journal. Um, who in the Lord's name does Putin think gives him the right to declare new so-called countries, President Biden asked. The answer is a complacent West failed to impose serious costs despite more than a decade of Russian aggression. At least the administration overcame its initial reluctance to call his deployment of troops in eastern Ukraine an invasion. President Biden called it, quote, the beginning of a Russian invasion. He responded to what he said was the beginning of greater sanctions. White House bet seemed to be that sanctions restraint will cause Putin to settle for holding the region his forces now occupy, foregoing an assault on the capital. But the Russians have never been deferred, deterred, I should say, before by Western restraint. He may see this as more weakness. Putin responds only to strength, and the West still isn't showing enough. Folks, we've been saying that, and I have been saying that, and some people are saying, you know, what's all this talk of war? The only thing he understands is force and strength that's it biden said the u.s will impose full blocking sanctions on russian military banks i don't think it's enough it's also cutting off moscow from western financing but the fine print in the truth in the treasury tuesday announcements to the ban applies only to debt issued by russia after march 1st previously issued debt can still trade in secondary markets that's a mistake all russian financial institutions deserve to be cut off from the outside world Europeans also settled for tougher talk but weak sanctions. Folks, that's exactly what he is predicting and counting on. They go on to say the bigger question is, will Europe will now get serious about its energy security? One said, we're still too dependent on Russian gas. We have to diversify. Hey, how about America? Why don't we send? We have plenty of oil and gas. You know, one door closes, another one opens. Republicans, uh, Democrats also should join Republicans in voting to oppose sanctions now. 44 Senate Democrats opposed Ted Cruz's recent bill to impose sanctions before the invasion, but the invasion has already happened. Uh, Biden wasn't specific about further military aid for Ukraine. That's really just for public consumption. Folks, it comes down to, as I've been telling you, this is a pay me now, a pay me later. Now, I also want to touch on the way the story has been covered this whole business, I'm not going to spend a lot of time, but this whole business that you have a group of communists and what the media has not highlighted enough is that these two groups knew each other, uh, you know, a group of communists. You know, there's also a good question. Everyone, listen, absolutely. I join everyone in condemning any type of neo-Nazi organization. But what about communism? Why is that OK? How come no one's condemning the communists? They're basically getting together and celebrating uh on the night that at the communist russians invaded ukraine and there's no talk about that but some of the comments that are out there are just troubling these groups knew each other these groups knew each other there was even if the media would take the time this quote community library um which is on um right off of camp street in providence 
if you go on to their Twitter feed, they they've gone back and forth about this group and they've posted about this group, this one three one group. And, you know, they're at odds against them and they have uh, spoken out. So they knew exactly who it was that was showing up when this group was outside. But somehow, let's just be very clear, the the biggest threat in Providence is is gang and gun violence without question and specifically uh gun obviously gun but the amount of murders and gang violence for members of um black lives matter and some of these other people to be talking about the biggest threat we face that that is just sheer lunacy and they are absolutely silent they don't know what to say when when someone says you know nazis universally condemned like Minority Leader Filippi said, but why do the communists get a pass? And it's also absurd, this business that the Rhode Island media still gives a free pass to Black Lives Matter. Now, Black Lives Matter, going after uh, the, the Nazi group, the, the members of the Rhode Island Coalition for Israel, they've protested against Black Lives Matter because they're anti-Semitic, but the local media doesn't care, cover it. And this uh, one of the local leaders of uh, Black Lives Matter denounced the group he considers to be domestic terrorists. And they are a threat not only in Providence, but everywhere uh, across the state and in America. And it's really important that Rhode Island comes together and, and stays and says that no to Nazism, no to right wing ideology that um, really centers hate and, and bigotry and white supremacy in our state. I mean, that is just absurd. But hey, you know, they put the microphone in front of him, and then that's exactly what he's going to say. All right, we have a lot ahead, folks. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. The problem with your heating system? Call R.E. Coogan Heating today, 401-732-6562. 24-hour emergency service, gas boiler, oil burner, Coogan Heating, 401 732 They're helpful trustworthy reliable explore their services look for them on facebook and the website is recooganheating.com residential services as coogie says let us into your home don't fix it alone plumbing heating and cooling from winter to summer trained technicians provide 100 percent service one customer at a time from service calls maintenance agreements to installation re coogan heating proud to help residential customers and they pride themselves making customer service and satisfaction a top priority. Call them today. Now it's cold. It's going to remain cold. Call Coogan Heating today, 401-732-6562. It's Coogie. It's 24-hour emergency service. Hey, not long ago, our hot water tank gave out. What did I do? Did I panic? Did I try to fix it? I called Coogan Heating, 401-732-6562. Look for them on Facebook and then the website is recooganheating.com. Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. Right on the left-hand side says, listen live. You click on that, the play button comes up, and boom. No matter where you are, and we have people listening all over, you can listen right there. Joining us right now is the columnist of the Boston Globe, it is our friend Dan McGowan. And Dan, um, I really like your column in today's Globe where you uh, illustrate, you know, we don't know what the, the future holds over the next couple of months, but yeah, I think it's a, a very good depiction of Rhode Island Governor Dan McKee, some good insight on some of his allies. And it sounds like all in all, yesterday he finally got the, the type of day and announcement that, uh, you know, in some ways that he deserves and is most reflective of who he is yeah i think i think yesterday was a successful day for him um and look you and i talk about this every week he's had very few of these days where you know he he basically gets to kind of go along as you know this was a he gets to go to you know go to bed at night say this was a good day nobody you know i know he's very sensitive as you and i have often talk about but yesterday's a day where I think he generally got the coverage he was seeking and the rollout that he wanted. And I think, you know, it, it's funny, the re, the column that I wrote about him was, was to focus on sort of that support that he has with all of those, those may or many of the mayors in this 
uh, in Rhode Island. And, you know, you watch it up close and you see that it, it's, you know, it is a real, I mean, it's, it's a real like uh, kind of insider in some ways boys club, but, but I mean that in the best of ways right there. These are guys that could sit at the end of a bar and just, you know, swap war stories all night, whether it's Charlie Lombardi or Joe Policina. <clears throat> and they all truly like each other. And, you know, I think to some, there are a lot of folks in the state, I think a lot of particularly in Democratic circles, who like to write off Dan McKee as kind of, you know, too parochial, too local, you know, too much of a mayor. And, I, and I've been critical of him at times for this, too. But I was thinking as I was watching him, you know, kick off his campaign yesterday, Nellie Gorbea, Helena Folks, Matt Brown, these folks would kill to have any one of these mayors endorsing right. them at this point. And, yes. and, and Dan McKee is able to, you know, has been able to grab a bunch of people, put them together. You know, I, I added up the, the, the numbers. The mayors that are current mayors and town managers that are currently supporting Dan McKee represent about 350,000 residents in Rhode Island. Now, not all voters, obviously, but 350,000 residents, if they do, you know, their job, if they, you know, can, can turn out votes, Dan McKee is off to a really good start. And some of those mayors, guy like Mayor Policina in Johnston, who kind of rules that place with an iron fist, is a proven vote getter. Uh, yep. You know, I remember back when Gina Raimondo was very excited about having his support because Johnston's right. a key place. East Providence is always a key place. So I think Dan, I think Dan McKee had a pretty good day yesterday. Now, the, the challenge is, is he, he still he doesn't quite know when it's time to campaign versus when it's time to actually just govern. And I think that that line will get even blurrier as this goes along. He's going to face criticism from you know, every corner of the Democratic primary and then whoever runs as a Republican. Um, so, you know, he's still got, it's, it's still an uphill battle, but he's in a better place right now, I think, than, than maybe some folks are giving him credit for. I like your um, quotes, especially, I, I happen to like uh, Mayor Policina uh, a lot. I've known him a long time. Same thing with the Mayor of North Providence, but I like Mayor Policina. That's, that's a really good visual that, you know, in the past, they were, they were like the mayors. They were peeking in the window at the yeah. state house. That's a very good visual compared to the way they have a relationship with the current governor. Yeah, and you know it's funny I, I, when I talked to to Mayor Policina about this yesterday. I said, you know, is that do you just mean that for Gina Raimondo? And he said, absolutely not. You know, he said I, he was a senator when when you know Governor Kachiri was was in office, and he said, you know, the mayors always felt like they. You know, it was it was harder to get in the room. Now, that could have been Democratic and Republican politics, all kinds of things. He said, historically, the mayors of, of most places, Providence being kind of the one exception because it's kind of its own, you know, entity, um, you know, always feel a little short change. They always feel like they have to go begging for things at the state house or begging to not, you know, more often begging to have the legislature not pass, you know, what they would consider bad bills. And he said, now it's it's nice. You get to I text with the governor regularly. I, you know, can can bug him. Even Mayor Baldelli Hunt, you know, uh, up in Woonsocket said to me, you know, it's not that I'm always going to the, you know, the governor and saying I need money to solve my problems. She said he just comes up and visits and you don't always get that from your governor. Uh, and so. You know, I think they they really look, you know, look at him as a uh, as a partner and as a friend. And that loyalty runs real deep. I mean, you know, these mayors, um, you know, have have delivered him to statewide elections as lieutenant governor. Uh, they play key roles there. They'll play key, a key role here. He still has to build a bigger coalition. He's going to need a little bit of, I think, union support. He's got to figure out how to win at least some votes in Providence, but again, better start than everybody else, because right now you can't get, you know, you don't know who's supporting any of the other candidates. Dan, and again, folks, so speaking with Dan McGowan of the, of the Boston Globe, uh, what do you make of the fact, and you, you had kind of hinted at it, and there was definitely uh, some element that this was coming, but the addition of Eva Mancuso as like basically senior advisor to the governor. Yeah, I think it's a big move. I, you know, I did hint at it last week because I hadn't confirmed it yet, but uh, it, it, I think even Mancuso, you, you, you've known Eva a long time, long time. 
Eva is the kind of person who I think fits in really well with this crowd of mayors. And, I, and this is with all respect to her, because I, I, I do, I think, very highly of her. I would say Eva Mancuso is, like Governor McKee, somebody who does not is has never been accepted by the kind of east side of providence elitist yeah. circles she's always had her chip you know a chip on her shoulder about that uh she's an incredibly talented attorney and and you know an accomplished woman in her own right but she's also kind of got that fiery cranston girl in her yeah. and where that matters is and i told her this and i've i've written this i said this she is the kind of person who can be a validator for Dan McKee. You know, when when the reporters or when when you know when the, the commentators like us are are you know maybe criticizing the governor, even Mancuso's not the not afraid to get on the phone and set you straight. Yeah. And you and I know how this works. You know, sometimes that's all it takes. It's not that we change our minds because we get yelled at. It's a different perspective. And yeah. I can remember when. Eva Mancuso was the board of education chairwoman uh, um, under Link Chafee. And, you know, Deborah Gist, the education yeah. commissioner at the time, was really under fire. And, you know, she, she's catching heat from pretty much every circle. And including me, by the way, as a reporter, I, you know, you'd always find something that was going wrong. And I remember Eva Mancuso, you know, really grew to defend her and, uh, was very aggressive about it. You know, she and I had a number of kind of shouting matches over the years over, you know, what she might have thought was unfair or, uh, you know, what the the, commi- the commissioner wasn't getting enough credit, that kind of thing. That arguing balls and strikes is something that really matters. You see it all the time at the national level. I mean, what do you think Jen Psaki's doing, you know, for for Biden or any number of, you know, pres- right. you know President Trump's press secretaries? Now, the, the thing about this is, is that we it's an undefined role for Eva Mancuso. So, you know, she's a policy person, so I assume she'll take on some of that. But I think her best asset is actually the person who can, you know, go on television or make the call to people like us and say, hey, you're not giving us a fair shake or you should look at it this way. Uh, that kind of thing really works. And she has the credibility to do that. Tim McGowan, uh it was notable that the mayor Cranston, Ken Hopkins, was there. I don't remember in the past that that ever ever happening. I mean, Mayor Fung uh, certainly was friendly with, you know, Mayor Avendish and two Republicans. And and come to think of it, you know, I think Cranston Mayor Alan Fung had a, a good working relationship. He did, with, yeah, uh, with Mayor Johnston and maybe even the mayor of North Providence. Certainly not with the mayor of Providence, but um, it, it it was notable that that he was there. Do you think his answer of i'm here for the irish guy that, that was that enough for i i'm not saying it's a, it's a major scandal but it certainly caught my eye of like why is the republican mayor of cranston there well i think what it, I, let's be clear <laughs> he he knew what he was doing yeah uh, ken hopkins is not a dumb guy he knows that showing up for the gov- the democratic governor's campaign announcement does <laughs> not you know is not just oh i want i i found myself in east providence today yeah, i think I'll right. go for the tour <laughs> he, he he knew what he was doing and he kind of you know he kind of was a wink and a nod to reporters about that uh, in, in a lot of ways he sort of he knew what he was doing there now i think it does catch him he i mean remember only a couple of weeks ago people were talking about him potentially yeah. running for governor and he was candid with me he said you know he was like, I'm not making an endorsement today, but he said, one, I do like Dan. I think he's, you know, I've known him for a long time. He's a good guy. And then he flat out said, he's like, I'm keeping my options open, but you know what? When I floated my name for governor as a Republican, you know, the party kind of laughed at me and didn't take mm-hmm. me seriously. So he he is carrying that with him a little bit. Yep. You know, I, I think in the sort of polarized world that we live in, I would be stunned if you hear you know, Ken, uh, Ken Hopkins flat out just say, yes, you know, I'm going to vote for the Democratic governor and then I'm going to vote for, you know, Alan Fung for Congress or something like that. I, I would be surprised to hear him go that far out on a limb. But he, he was obviously sending a message yesterday that, yeah, he, he, he thinks that of the candidates that he sees right now, I think he thinks McKee is the best. And Dan McGowan, an important uh, factor with the strategy of McKee, and, and you talk about it, we've talked about it, but it seems cemented now that win or lose, Governor McKee feels his best shot is 
almost in the form of a ticket with Lieutenant Governor Savita Matos. Yeah. And, my, you know, my colleague, Ted Nisi was yes. uh, my former colleague was, was, you know, we were standing next to each other and he pointed out, you know, I noticed that there's, there's not a mention of her on the ticket or, you know, on your signs, kind of the way Matt Brown and Cynthia Mendes are, are running. Uh, I wouldn't read too much into that because I do think, uh, and there's, I think we'll debate for a long time, especially if the governor doesn't win, uh, we'll debate a long time about whether or not Sabina Matos was the right choice as lieutenant governor. But you know what? She's a loyal soldier. She shows up to everything with the guy. I mean, not only was she there for the announcement yesterday, she followed him around all day. They were, you know, at the park uh, theater announcement and, yep. you know, a bunch of other in Providence together. So uh, she's clearly, you know, she, she is clearly seen as an asset um, you know, what I'd like to see more, and when I say I'd like, I'm, I'm thinking just politically speaking, you, you know, you'd, you'd like to see her, uh, you know, show that she has a little bit of strength in the Providence, proving right. that just yet. No, yeah, and that's what it comes down to. Folks, quick break, a lot more. Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe right here on the John DePietro Show. Make Henry Oil your oil provider this winter. Give them a call today. Call Henry Oil, 401-521-0200. 401-521-0200. Henry Oil, serving most Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass. Automatic delivery, budget plans, service contracts, lock and cap pricing. You can depend on Henry Oil. Call them today, 401-521-0200. Reliable, affordable, Fuel oil delivery, fuel oil, diesel, gasoline delivery, residential and commercial, it's Henry Oil. Give them a call. Since 1947, you can depend on Henry Oil. Call them today. Make Henry Oil your oil provider. 401-521-0200. 401-521-0200. Remember, online at henryoil.com. Go with the original. Go with the best. It's Henry Oil. If you're ever in an accident, pick up the phone and call West Fountain Auto Body today, 401-272-3340. Were you in an auto accident, someone damaged your vehicle? Folks, it can happen, whether it's people not paying attention, a drunk driver, people texting and driving. If you're ever in an accident, pick up the phone, call West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340. They're located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. Remember, with West Fountain Auto Body, they're going to work for you, not the insurance company. Call them today. If you were in an accident, drunk driver, someone texting and driving, minor fender bender, even a nearly totaled vehicle, call West Fountain Auto Body today, 401-272-3340. They'll handle everything for you, the original, the best. And if you're in an accident and a tow truck pulls up, tell them, bring that car over to West Fountain Auto Body, 401 401- 272-3340, 401-272-3340, West Fountain Auto Body, located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. They'll work for you, not the insurance company. If you're in an accident, call West Fountain today. Get it repaired, 401-272-3340. We're speaking with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. Dan, I want to jump to, uh, you wrote a column in um Boy, last week, I don't think a lot of people understand the significance of what Attorney General Peter DeRona did. I was telling people, I mean, I, there's just, it was almost, it was refreshing. It really caught people off guard. Um, whether or not people agree with it or not, it was just astounding that he was willing to, you know, make his case. He formed his team. There were no leaks on it. Um, he made a compelling argument why this merger should should not go forward in i just think there's so many you know 99 percent of the democrats at smith hill and even the former attorney general kilmartin would have rubber stamped that thing just what a uh in, in i believe incredible moment of conviction for attorney general peter narona to to say no go on this merger deal with healthcare. Yeah, and for a guy who, you know, hasn't had, he, it's not like he has had major problems in the office, but, you know, he kind of screwed up the, his office screwed up the Jeff Britt trial to some degree. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they, the Wyatt. So, you know, it, it hasn't had, um, you know, the easiest kind of first couple of years in office. And, 
uh, or first term, I should say. But this was a coming out moment. I mean, boy, yeah. he 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 tore apart uh, that application, and you know, it dawned on me about uh, I don't know, let's say fifteen. This is an hour long press conference last week. About fifteen minutes in. I, I would have bet you the over if you told me under over an hour because he looked up at the reporters on this very boring kind of very heady issue and everybody was glued to him and he just kept going because he he was I, I think he he didn't necessarily expect this to get as much interest as it got. Um, but he was ferocious. I mean, even some of the little, you know, there was a moment at one point during the press conference where he said, um, you know, let's pretend for a second that they, they actually had, you know, the, a plan to get this. And then he said, they don't, but you know, let's just pr- for the sake of argument. And then he proceeded to kill it. I mean, he, I told him this, I thought he sounded almost like he was mad at them yes. uh, for coming uh, through this. And he admitted, you know, he wouldn't say mad or offended, but he said, I was, I was frustrated uh, a, yep. along the way. And, and I will tell you, I wrote the column, you know, about this and said, you know, the challenge with the merger and I'll admit, I'm not a health expert. You know, these things are, can be very complicated, but every time I would go to anybody involved in this deal and you'd say, Hey, you know, the, do we really want 80% of hospital beds to be controlled by one entity? Isn't that right. monopolistic? You know, you'd say, you know, are our rates going to go? Uh, what does this mean for, I know, I know a real concern was what does it mean for Kent County hospital? And you'd ask these guys and they would look at you like you were stupid, right? Yep. Like you're being short-sighted. Well, and this was across the board. You know, I, I, this was finale. This was Tim Babineau, the two heads of the hospitals. I think to a to or hospital systems, you know, to a large degree. I think Christina Paxson at Brown. Everything was stop being so parochial, stop being right. so concerned about this stuff. And I said, I told Peter Nerona that that that's kind of what I was thinking as he was talking about. It. He said it was the same problem, you know, that we faced. Every time right. we had a question, we were kind of pushed off. And that's a problem. They did not do a good job of this. Now, they they could have done the greatest PR campaign in the history of the world, and it may not have mattered. You know, you, you certainly Nerona made a really compelling case. But the the where do we go from here is really important. I mean, Care New England is struggling big time financially. Yeah. So they have to find some sort of solution. Now, you know, I've been poking around asking, when we say problems, does that mean – you know, out of business tomorrow. No, you know, it's a little bit, it's weirdly like the city of Providence, right? It's not that they're going bankrupt tomorrow. It's that they've got a major problem. And eventually, you know, your solutions end up being something like taxpayers bailout or, you know, or a sale or, or, you know, those kind of things. And, um, you know, they're going to have to solve that. You, You wonder, will Yale start to encroach from New Haven? start to come, you know, make another look at this uh, coming from Massachusetts. Um, I, you know, this this health system right now, particularly on the Care New England side, um, is in real trouble. And, and uh, Peter Nerona, you know, did, was just not convinced that a merger was as good as they promised it would be. And Dan McGowan, again, folks, let's speak with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. What does it tell you that, um, I, I mean, I thought it just came across, you know, very thoughtfully. Thank the team that had, he had assembled to go through it. He came in ahead. He was even ahead of time of uh, before the deadline. Yeah, months what do you make of the yeah. fact that, you know, people were saying that the speaker and Governor McKee, that they didn't have ready responses. It, it would seem that they were blindsided and they didn't know that this was coming down. I'm not faulting him for that in, in any way. Um, and then initially this was, you know, really endorsed and put forth by Governor Mundo. I thought it was so striking how he said, you know, to this day, Every time someone says Brown University and 125 million, no one can tell me what their role is supposed to be with this whole thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think one of the things that that you you mentioned this kind of off the top that was the most impressive thing was that there was no leak, right? No. Didn't come from anywhere. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think that he had. I think Nerona had real questions about virtually every facet of this. Yep. you know, of this deal. 
um, and and was kind of troubled by it. And you know, he he, he doesn't. He's not. He's like you said. He's not. Uh, he's not a pushover the way you know you've seen from past Definitely attorneys not. general. Uh, and he, you know, he. <laughs> I think that one thing that he also that was interesting with the timing with getting it out a month early was right. You know, just a week before you started to see the union start to fall in line and the union yep. said, Hey, we're on board with this. And he addressed that. He had a great moment lately. I mean, 45 minutes into his press conference where he said, you know, I started to hear people, you know, whether it was legislators or the union start to say, you know, we support this. If we support this as long as, and yep. he, he went into all these things and he said, they could not prove any of those kind of provisions uh, you know, that, that would back up your support. He, you know, he, he looks at this, like I was protecting, you know, a lot of different kind of uh, uh, folks here, whether it's patients or workers. Um, you know, I think it's a big moment. I think the question now is, you know, there is a way to, to go over his head. There is a way you could go to the legislature and get what's called a, a COPA, which is a certificate right. of public advantage, I think. And, you know, you could basically say, what that means is the legislature could say, you know what, we don't care that this would be a monopoly. This is good for the public. So let's do it. From the reporting that I've done since that I'm hearing talking to people, I actually don't think that's what Care New England is necessarily looking for. Um, I think that they're more likely and it's this wouldn't be imminent, but I think they're more likely to kind of start to talk to other suitors as opposed to going over. I mean, it would be really hard to go to the General Assembly right. and say, hey, do this after that case that Peter Nerona, uh, you know, made last week against this merger. I noticed the next night, uh, should we read in, into anything that the next night Governor McKee was a post, a picture posted of him happened to be at the Brown basketball game and he had a picture with President Paxson. Should we read anything into that? <laughs> Well, I don't think he gets a lot of time with President Paxson, so he may have just been trying to, uh, you know, take a selfie. But you're, you're, it's a fair question. I, I think um, I think Dan McKee would rather have not had this kind of on yeah. his plate. Uh, and, it, you know, going the COPA route, right, that requires the governor to sign off on something. And so, you know, I think it would have been much easier. It would have been much easier for a lot of people involved if Peter Nerona had come in and said, I don't like every facet of this, but I'm going to approve it as long as you do, a, you know, X, right. Y, and Z, yeah. uh, which he could have done, right? He could have yeah. said what's called, you know, with provisions or with conditions. Um, he could have done that, but instead he killed it and he, he did say, hey, you know what? If you think this is the right idea, it's on you, General Assembly. It's on you, Governor McKay. You know, Dan McGowan, before we take a break, um, you, you, we started off talking about the McKee press briefing and who he's most comfortable with and it's you know it is some of the mayors like charlie lombardi or policina one thing i'll say about peter Nerona, the attorney general i mean i i don't anyway you don't hear stories of he had a late night at capriccio with some no. state house or he was at a capitol grill with the senate press i mean nothing this is uh completely different he well you know go ahead I'll tell you, you know, it's funny, and and, and I, I don't think I'm violating anybody's trust uh, here, but I, I, the day at Friday, so right, they announced it Thursday, Thursday. Friday, uh, Friday uh, night, you know, I met some friends out in Providence, and in yeah. walks a bunch of staff of the Attorney General's office, and mm. they are just like their their actual attorney general you know they're the they're the kind of folks who play it very clean, you know, yes. sat in a corner. You know, clearly we're feeling good about themselves. This was a good yep. week for the attorney general's office. But you're right. You don't see Peter Nerona, you know, in the smoke filled room cutting deals has never been like that. I think it's the one part of, you know, the politics, which he, he admits he's a politician now. It's the one part of the politics he doesn't like. Um, but you know, doing this, I mean, th this is no way to make friends. And, and, and he knows that and he still did it. And just you, you go back. I mean, to take an hour and walk people through, um, you know, why this wasn't going to happen. You, you, we never would have seen that with Attorney General Peter Kilmartin. And I would even say you wouldn't have seen that with Attorney General Patrick Lynch. That was, he was uh, pretty uncomfortable when the whole lead paint lawsuit and how yeah, some of that money came about. I mean, that's what I just find 
so different. Someone who's willing to stand up there and take the heat and tell you exactly how he arrived at where he is. I, I just think he's a force. I've covered Peter since he was U.S. attorney. He's a really impressive individual. Yeah, and, and, and it was a, meth- I mean, a methodical approach, and you're right. Yes. You know, look, the attorney, it's not like Peter Nerona was, you know, in every single room for all of these, you know, right? right? They hired, a, they had a five, six-person team. They had right. a- outside experts. You know, when you're the attorney general, you've got a lot on your plate. So it's not like this was the only thing he focused on for the last, you know, 20 months or so. Um, for him to be have the confidence uh, you know, in his team, but in himself to be able to stand up there. I mean, look, I, th- I think the tele- at least I think at least channel 10 and channel 12 carried this live. Yeah. Um, you know, th- this was, uh, you know, something that could, could easily go the wrong way. You easily could say, you know, you, you make a mistake, you slip up, whatever. And, you know, believe me, everybody at Karen New England lifespan and Brown were looking at this and they were waiting for him to step up because they were waiting to text me or call Nisi and say, Hey, you know, got, the, the attorney general got this wrong. Can't believe, you know, how could, how could this guy be in charge of this? And you're not hearing that at all. You know, the only complaint is uh, I had somebody say to me, boy, you know, we spent millions of dollars on this thing. If he told us that it wasn't going to work, you know, we probably could have saved a few million dollars. That's it. And then he turns around and sits down with newsmakers. And again, most times they would say he had he said everything he needed to. There's nothing more. And I'm not going to do that. And then he still sat down. And yeah. answered more questions before the break. Dan McGowan, what do you think his next move is? I mean, barring I, I don't see how he's not going to get reelected in the fall. Um, I thought it was interesting at the very beginning of when he was looking into the Mattiello, you know, the Rhode Island Convention Center situation. He immediately knocked off the table and said, I am not running for governor. So I'm not going to let those rumors take hold. But what, what, what do you think would be his next move or path for Attorney General Peter Narona? Again, he's oh. got another term to serve. Yeah, so he'll get reelected. I think you know it would be it would be very surprising if he didn't. It'd, it'd take a major it'd take a major upset. I would say four years from now he's in a really good spot. Let's play it out. Yeah, sure. Dan McKee, you know, let's say Dan McKee is elected to a four year term. Look, he's getting older. It's not crazy that he would say, "I'll do the one term and then I'm gone." Right. Uh, you're going to have a lot of Democrats who are you know really ambitious. I think Peter Nerona. Uh, as long as he, you know, attorney general is tough because you could, you, you know, you could step in it, you could make mistakes, yep. you get a high profile case that goes, you know, Sheldon Whitehouse faced this. So you, you could have things that, that go wrong. But if all things were to say roughly the same, I think he'd be an ideal candidate for the Democrats uh, for governor. Um, I also think, you know what, who knows, maybe he starts to look at uh, four years from now is an eternity. Maybe Jack Reed is starting to think yes. about, you know, That's hanging it up. I think, the um, yeah, you know, and remember the move, like <clears throat> the move, he does care. That's such a good point. He, the, the movement, uh, you know, on the ship there would be huge. So potentially let's say it's, you know, David Cicilline has his moment and says, I'm going to, you know, I want to be the, I want to replace Jack Reed. Well, maybe then he, you know, Nerona runs for Congress. Like there's lots of options. I think we, I think it is safe to say, this is not going to be the end of the line for Peter Nerona because he he clearly has that skill. And you know what he does? I think even he would admit as much as he doesn't love that, that smoke filled room politics, he likes winning and he likes the attention. They all do. That's how it works. And so I think he likes the feeling that he gets when it comes to, you know, serving the public. Yes. And then also the, you know, the, the credit you get for serving the public. Folks, quick break. A lot more. Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe right here on the John DePito Show. Brothers Disposal. Call Brothers Disposal today. Get a purple dumpster for your driveway. How do you know it's Brothers Disposal? Because it's a purple dumpster. Look for them on Facebook and give them a call for an estimate. 401 401- 6880517 get a dumpster in your driveway maybe you're cleaning out your basement your garage unwanted belongings maybe you just have some things in boxes that you've never taken out clean it out with brothers disposal they're also now offering weekly trash collection services call brother roland today at brothers disposal 401 401- Six eight eight zero five one seven. Whether it's a small household construction project or you just need a dumpster to get rid of some unwanted belongings, call Brothers Disposal today. Come on, brother. Call Brothers Disposal four zero one 
6880517. Look for them on Facebook, Brothers Disposal. Get a dumpster in your driveway, 401-688-0517. We're speaking with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. And uh, Dan, going through, uh, we're going to tell people in just a moment how they can get roadmap each morning. But um, boy, that is a, a, a fantastic story, but a rough story in the globe on that poor family in that headline. Rhode Island has let us down that poor little girl that certainly needs some extra care. And I, I don't know what to make of it. The state, especially with all this money that is floating around, uh, it kind of baffles me how the state doesn't have something to step up and help this is a, a very specific individual but there's no way these parents are alone there got to be more children out there like this no i think in, in you know my colleague amanda milkovitz has been working on this for a little while now and yeah. you know the basic for, for for readers or for listeners out there who haven't read the the story yet obviously i encourage you to you know the ba- the basic background of this is you have a uh, I believe a nonverbal 12 year old autistic child needs yeah. pretty much around the clock services and you can't, you know, can't pull her out of the hospital because it becomes a, you know, a problem at home. And, uh, and the, the, the state is, has really kind of dropped the ball in a lot of ways. And you're right. And this is the most important thing. It's not about the one kid or the one family it, because you're seeing this and you're seeing more and more stories like this. Um, it's not necessarily directly pandemic related, but it certainly the stress on the system, you know, is a, is playing a role here. And, you know, it, it's something that, uh, again, as you said, you know, there is money out there right now. Uh, the, the challenge that I think the governor and I think the, the state lawmakers have to make here is a lot of these kind of fixing, you know, old problems, particularly when it comes to healthcare. It, it just isn't that sexy, right? It's not no. the thing that you can cut a ribbon on or, you know, put into a campaign commercial, but it's actually where money kind of needs to go. And so, yep. you know, a, a, as this is all debated, you know, later this year when it, in front of the legislature, keep, in, keep that in mind, because again, you know, you have a lot of lawmakers who want to, uh, you know, they want to pave roads, they want to take credit so they get reelected and you need more folks to think about kind of the, the structural problems that, that we have as a state, particularly when it comes to kind of health care uh, for young people. Yeah, and especially the fact that they're housing, some of them are at the training school. They haven't committed That's a right. crime. I mean, that is just completely over the top. There's also the story, and this is such a bizarre story, of you have a, a group of communists that are yes. quietly uh, at the Red Ink, which is a community library, as they call it, right off Camp Street. They're reading the Communist Manifesto, and then Suddenly, a group of neo-Nazis, neo-Nazis are outside and they're interrupting the, the communist reading. Uh, it certainly was the story of the day yesterday, aside from Governor McKee. And Dan McGowan, I just don't remember the last time you saw across the spectrum the amount of politicians that weighed in on that story. Yeah, I mean, this is absurd. By the way, adding to it, the the this uh, facility, this this community library, is located in a former uh, a police substation That's in right. Providence uh, that actually famously was, I think, the week it opened. Uh, you know, uh, uh, someone walked up to it and shot two bullets in the window to smash wow. the windows years ago. Uh, so you know th- that th- that's kind of how that neighborhood has changed. Uh, to some degree, that's the Mount Hope neighborhood, yeah. a very historically black neighborhood that is, uh, I would say, extremely gentrified at this point, but still a kind of a hotbed for for criminal activity and things like that. Not this kind of activity, though. No. Uh, you know, it, it, yeah, I, I don't even know. I don't I don't even know what to say, because, yeah. you know, you think on one hand. I, I didn't even know this library, I'll admit, I didn't know this library existed. I didn't I know didn't that either. a communist reading was happening. Um, but then I also, you know, you just don't see um, sort of that blatant of, of you know, neo-Nazis popping up in Providence, right? They, they, they know they're not, not welcome in the right. city. Uh, and and for that to happen, you know, I, I will tell you, I, at first I said something's off there. Then you yeah. start to, you saw the video. I mean, it is what it is. Um, but I, I'll be interested to see sort of how this is handled going forward. You're right. The outpouring of, um, you know, uh, of condemnation pretty much across the board. Um, you, know, you don't see that every day. No. And these, these groups seem to know each other because 
if you go onto the Red Ink Twitter feed, they had tweeted that there's this, and I don't want to get too inside, but these these are very inside groups. There's this subsection called the John Brown Gun Club, and they, yep. you know, they, you know, they say, hey, you know, we're far left, but let's arm arm ourselves, and they were involved. They were pivotal with the situation with the Wyatt because some of the members showed up and they do That's carry right. weapons. And the Red Ink, they retweeted a photo of this group and the John Brown Gun Club that kind of battles back and forth. So it's it's a little more inside and it seemingly has to do this this kind of an equivalent of the Red Ink uh, community library up in the Boston area. And they have battles with this group. So. I mean, it, it does seem bizarre. I mean, most people wouldn't know that there's, A, a communist group having a quiet reading. I think there were, what, five, six people there. And then let alone, all of a sudden, the sidewalk is filled with these neo-Nazis with the flag and the salute it's, it, and everything it, else. It was bizarre. It, it's, not quite, it's not quite the Hells Angels versus no. uh, you know, no. the, the other motorcycle gangs. But it is, it is an interesting thing. And, and uh, we should say, look. Uh, you know, you and I, I think both would say we would condemn that sort of, uh, you know, Absolutely. type of thing, yes. you know, as well. It's outrageous. So, uh, you know, you, 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 I guess if you can, if, if you don't laugh, you'll cry in some ways. Yeah. Now that group, they did uh, make the, I don't know what to make of them. They, the whole thing was under two minutes. Uh, they have the flag and everything else, the mask, but they were outside the BLM headquarters the night. Yeah, you broke this story a while ago. Yeah. yeah. So there's something odd, but again, they, they don't, you know, they just stand there, take photos. I don't know what to make of the whole thing. Those people just seem to be having a quiet night <laughs> reading Communist Manifesto, and then that happens. Folks, you hear me mention it. Uh, it. There's so much information about it. It's free, and it can arrive in your inbox. It's called Roadmap. And Dan McGowan, right now, uh, if you'd be so kind to extend this offer to everyone that's listening, that they can get it starting tomorrow. I should say, I, I very much encourage quiet readings of roadmap every morning uh <laughs> but yes you know as john said first of all most important thing it's free it's new fresh in your inbox you're gonna get you're gonna learn sometimes it's an interesting scoop it's interesting analysis uh at the very least you're gonna learn something new every day um and very easy just send me a blank email to rinews at globe.com, rinews at globe.com, and you'll start getting it first thing tomorrow morning. Folks, he's Dan McGowan. Dan, great job as always, and we'll talk to you again. All right, talk soon, John. Thanks. On the John DePietro Show brought to you by realtor Pat Elston. Call Pat today, 401-474-5253. There's a link right directly to her on the website, dipietro.com. Caldwell Banker Realty based in Cumberland, 20 years experience, licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Pat services all of Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass. Contact Pat Elston today, 401-474-5253, and you can find her right on the website, dipetro.com. In the Brood Awakenings and discover the Brood difference. Two locations in Johnston, also in Cranston, Pontiac Avenue, and then also Bald Hill Road in Warwick. Brood Awakenings, their local, fresh ingredients, cozy environment, great comfortable chairs, delic delicious breakfast sandwiches, lunch, great drinks and coffee, and plenty of room to spread out and meet people. I'll see you, and you'll discover the brood difference at Brood Awakenings.